Jesus left that place and went away to the district of Tyre and Sidon. Just then, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and started shouting, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. But he did not answer her at all. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she keeps shouting at us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. He answered, It is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered her, Woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed instantly. The Gospel of the Lord. Let me pray. God, this morning, as we're together, would you, would you show our hearts how near you are? Would you give us grace to accept your grace. We love you. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> All right. How you doing? How'd you feel about that reading? What'd you think? What, what'd you, which direction did your knee jerk? You had one, right? Uh, maybe grab your pew Bible, go to Matthew 15, 21. Sometimes, I don't know, sometimes it's helpful to read it a second or a third time. Uh, so Matthew 15, 21. Through 28. Jesus left that place and went away to the district of Tyre and Sidon or Sidon. Just then, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and started shouting. How are you feeling right now? What do you think? Actual question, sorry. Depends on what you're shouting. What did you say, Kim? We've been frowned upon. Uh, curiously, this is the only time the word Canaan shows up in the Gospels. You know, when things like that happen, <clears throat> at least the way I read scripture, I go, wait a minute. Something must be afoot. What's Canaan? Promised land, the land promised. the non-Israelite people who lived in the land. So Matthew's bringing us into this conversation about who belongs, who doesn't belong, who you think belongs, who I think belongs, who Jesus thinks belongs, who the disciples think 
belongs. And, and Jesus is, he's way north of where he should be. I mean, God can go wherever God wants, but where the people expect him to be, right? This is, this is way up the coast. This is, past, uh, this is past sort of the boundaries of what they consider the land at this point. This is, and, <clears throat> and so this Canaanite woman who's from the region comes out and starts shouting at him. Have mercy on me, son of David. What does she seem to know? Well, what does she know? There's no seam. Okay, she knows who he is. Do the people who are supposed to know who he is know who he is? Right? These lines about who's in and out, they are, well, they're our lines. Matthew's writing this uh, gospel, 60s, 70. So we're just, the destruction of the temple happens in 70 AD CE, however you want to mark that, all right? Like it's 70 is the year it happens. Matthew's writing this between, between 60 or 70. If the, if the temple already hasn't been destroyed, it, they know it's coming. There's, there's deep, deep tension between the Jewish community and between Rome. And there's deep tension between the Jewish community and the Christian community. Sorry, let me rephrase that. There's deep tension between the Gentile Christians, the Greek, the Christian, right, and the Jewish Christians. And I don't know if you remember back in the book of Acts, but there's this moment where the Hellenists or the Greeks are complaining that the, the Greek widows aren't being taken care of like the Jewish widows are being taken care of. And so they appoint, um, they appoint seven people to, to be servants, to make sure that, that, that good things are happening, right? Right away, there's like a crack. And there's a crack in the disciples because this is Matthew. What was Matthew's job before he left it all? Tax collector. Still a favorite employment option, right? Some things never, ever, ever, ever change. So there's Matthew, and then there's a guy in the, the 12 whose name is Simon the Zealot, now, what, did, what, what were zealots about? Yeah. Basically, Simon wants to kill Matthew. Or did. You know, I, I, don't, know how fa- I don't know how fast their prejudged um, feelings about the other fell away. I'm sure very quickly, right? I'm sure uh, Simon met Matthew and went, oh, Matthew, brother Matthew. Because um, that's how it works, right? That's how our hatred and our lines drop. <clears throat> but... Matthew is writing this gospel during deep tension, deep tension between Gentile Christians and Jewish Christians, and his audience is Jewish. Or we think it's Jewish. People who think deep, deep, deep and hard, hard, hard about these things think it's Jewish because all of the elements that he doesn't explain that somebody who's Jewish would know. All of the language, there's just just a ton of it. And so you go, well, if you're writing to somebody who's Jewish, you're not going to explain any of this stuff. And if you're writing to somebody who has no clue, you're going to use different words. As an example, Matthew's genealogy starts with Abraham. Uh, Luke's starts with Adam. So Matthew is writing, probably writing to Jewish Christians, and he's writing in a moment where I'm going to guess he gets it, 
but maybe a lot of people in his community don't. And there's a line Paul says, um, I think it's Paul, to the Jew first and then to the Greek, do you know that, right? And I think this is fundamentally true and sometimes we, we, we have no idea what to do with it. And it's actually, I think, quite simple. Um, God is working through these people for the good of the whole world. In Genesis 12, God says that he's gonna make Abraham a blessing and a blessing just for his people, right? For who? All the nations. And then we get to Exodus 19 and the people have been in Egypt. They've lived enslaved, oppressed lives. They've been on the very bottom of the barrel. And here they are at the foot of the mountain. And God tells Moses to tell the people, you are my treasured possession and all the earth and that you are a nation of priests, that they're to bear God to everyone everywhere. So it starts with this group of people, but it just starts there and it's spreading. <clears throat> so Matthew is writing to these people that this is their heritage, but sometimes we forget. Sometimes we forget that we're here. And, and I, ho I hope you felt it a little bit as we were praying and singing this morning, like, the blessings to all people. And then in the reading from Isaiah, that everyone will be welcome. That God will bring all of, all of the nations in. And then here we have this sort of moment where uh, we have a little confrontation. Okay, so 21. So Jesus left the place, went away to the district of Tyre and Sidon. Just then a Canaanite woman from that region came out and started shouting the right words. Have mercy on me, uh, have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. But he didn't answer her at all. How do you feel about this? Bad? Me too. I'm like, Jesus, get your act together. He just had a bad night's sleep. Right? I, what is, this is wrong. This isn't who you are. Okay, so it, it, it's not a, it's not, well, it's not a favorite moment for me right? Um, but he didn't answer her. And his disciples go one better. They come out and they say, what do they want to do? Send her away. Get rid of her. She is bothering us. You ever feel like hurting, sick, people struggling in life are just dragging you down and bothering you and you just want to get rid of them? You just want to not look at them? I mean, every time you get off on the freeway, Get rid of her. She's cramping our style, Jesus. And then he answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. I mean, Jesus just seems to be following this trajectory where I'm like, from 2023, of course, looking at him and being like, you got this wrong. I want to step in and help. Anybody else feel like they want to step in and be like, hey, you're, I don't know if you know this, you're here um, to declare the year of the Lord's favor, that to, to loose those who are in prison, you know, to heal the brokenhearted. You said this, right? Like, you're not doing this. You're, come here, Jesus, let me help you out. We all want to give God a hand, right? <clears throat> so, so 
I was sent only the lost sheep of the house of Israel, but she came and knelt before him saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, it's not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. We just, right? Unless you love dogs more than you love people, and then you're like, amen. Um, <clears throat> Kate. <Yep. laughs> and this woman has pluck. She has nerve. She knows what she wants, and she is not deterred. She says, yes, Lord, Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And then Jesus answered her, woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed instantly. Any theories about what we just witnessed? Okay, he's teaching. Are there a bunch of ways to teach something? Do we sometimes teach things not by what we say, but by what we do or the circumstances that we create for someone to go through? In fact, probably the best parenting you can do is shut your mouth and create Scenarios where they have to figure things out. My favorite was, <clears throat> this was just always the thing. I, I don't know how to do it. I can't figure it out. I don't understand it. You know, homework or chores or anything that wasn't wanted to do, that would be, I'd say that, of course, growing up too. I don't get it. But you like hand me something I want to figure out, like a brand new video game or like some cheat codes or like trying to figure, to figure that out, something I wanted to figure out, how long you think it took me to... I had, I had zero limit on my effort. I would, I mean, it's like, um, did you guys all play like Nintendo, the old school? No, Deanne? Yeah, all right. How terrible some of those Super Mario Brothers levels were. And you would play them for hours so you could defeat this ridiculous side-scrolling game to get your jumps at just the right moment. That's why, by, by the way, half of us have anxiety is because of that game. <laughs> dee 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 right? Like, but you would spend hours, it would be 2 a.m., and you'd be like, I can't believe nobody stopped me. We would, you'd just be so committed. Nothing could keep you from it. You'd, I would be undeterred. Bowser was going down. But man, you put a math problem in front of me? I don't know, I'll get it. Fractions? Don't get it. Don't care. My effort was connected to what I wanted. Last week, we talked about Jesus putting the disciples in a boat in a storm, and this is the second time he's done it, and the language I choose to use for it is that it's a setup. Not because Jesus doesn't love them, but because Jesus does love them and wants to help them see some things, and so there's a setup where they're confronted with their fear. And I want to say that this is a setup too. It's a setup for the disciples. It's a setup for this woman. If we think for one minute 
that compassion is not at the center of Jesus's heart this entire passage, we're missing some really important beginning steps as we come to the Gospels, as we come to read about Jesus. Because the way Jesus sees me, sees you, sees each of us, sees the 12 disciples, sees this Canaanite woman, sees Herod, sees those who are crucifying him, is with love and compassion. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And we come to read this and it doesn't sound like it, but it's gotta be there. In your life, when you feel like this woman, when you feel like you're the wrong person in the wrong place, you can't seem to get a break, there's something that you desperately want and need, and this woman's not asking for anything for herself. there's a lot of ways our hard parts of our life can go down. Are all the sick people healed? No. I mean, you just, I was gonna say turn on the TV, but let's be realistic, just open your phone, right? It's like in your pocket at all times is a reminder that something is broken in our world. And what I want to offer to us this morning is that it's faith. It's trust. Just like this woman has. Have mercy on me, son of David. That God is gracious and compassionate. And no matter what it looks like is happening, it's the gracious, compassionate heart of God that's available to all of us. But there are days, or maybe it's all of the days right now, where it feels like that takes a lot of faith to believe. And I'm thinking about like her persistence. Jesus tells a parable too about a, a widow who goes to a judge. She keeps pleading for justice, pleading for justice, and she gets it, but not because the judge is good and just, but because the judge, like the disciples, just wants her to go away. How persistent are we in these things? I hope you don't feel ashamed right now. I, right, like there's a little bit of a way where when we start talking about this, like we can start looking at our life and feeling like, well, I could do a better job. And I mean, those are all, if you feel that way, that's okay that you feel that way. But the issue here isn't, the issue isn't that we are, are failing that we're forgetting. The issue is that we're putting weight. We're giving weight to things. Bigger, greater weight 
than to who we know God is in our lives. As I've been reading this this week, I kept, I started with, have mercy on me, son of David, and, and like, just reading that and praying that and wanting that. And <clears throat> as the week has gone on, the more I've gravitated towards the pluck of the woman, the like, fine, but even the dogs get the crumbs. Her tenacity to keep asking despite feeling turned away, despite being turned away. I mean, right, she doesn't, she doesn't know what's happening here. She doesn't know how this is gonna end. She keeps asking for it, asking for mercy, asking for healing, even though it seems withheld from her. And I want that. I wanna, I wanna believe and trust so much in God's mercy that even when things don't seem to be going towards that, I keep asking for it. Even when it seems like the door's shut, I keep going for it. I want to stay up till 2 a.m. wanting these things in my life, in your life, in the life of our world. That's what I want. That's what I want for me. It's what I want for us. <clears throat> the last thing sort of to... to to think about here, and I want to return to the, to the beginning, sort of of our, our looking at and considering what Matthew's, what he's showing us. <clears throat> and we remembered that deeply embedded into the mission of the people of Israel, of the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, of Sarah, Rebecca, of Leah, of Rachel, these people is a mission to be about the good and the healing of the world around them. They were a, a priestly nation, a sent people into the world. You and I are sent people. We're sent into the world. This isn't what it means. Showing up on Sunday is good. Being together is good. Reading scripture is good. Praying together, singing together is good. But what happens to that good if it stops when we walk out the door, we get in our car and we just leave it? What happens to that good? That good thing God's doing. At best, it's stunted. <clears throat> we do this right at the end every, every week. Maybe if you're comfortable, do it now. We're not doing the benediction right now, but I invite you to do what? To hold your hands out. And what's the, what's the first thing? A posture of receiving. Of receiving. Because we all come hungry. We all come saying, son of David, have mercy on me. But what we realize is that in order to receive things sometimes, what do we have to do? We gotta release things. We've gotta let go of things. We gotta make room for it in our lives. Room for it in our hands. And then there's like what I, I think of this one as like the sneaky third one, right? Because at this point you're like, yeah, I'll receive good things, Lord. I want good things. And yeah, you know what? To have good things, I'll let go of some things. But then here comes the like the hook, the the, the catch. It's to what? What's the third? 
Say again, Kim. To give it away. You are given things to share it, to give it away. You are loved so you can love. You are welcomed so you can welcome. Part of the answer to the prayer about mercy in the world is me and you. And it's me and you in our neighborhoods. It's me and you in our grocery stores. It's me and you in our offices, be they home offices or other offices, in, our, in, in the vehicles we drive, in the stories we tell. We're loved so we can be loving. We're welcomed in so we can welcome in. We cry, have mercy, so the mercy we receive, we can offer back to the world around us. We can surprise them with love. Quick story, and then we'll um, move to silence and we'll come to the table. So I spent some time with some new friends this weekend in Oklahoma City. And do you ever just feel like, I just love these people. You ever have this like just big sense of affection? You're like, that's kind of quick. So I think they won't be mad at me for telling this, but they might be, I don't know. <clears throat> I didn't spend a dime. I flew, flew in, whatever. They picked me up, took me to a steak dinner. And steak's really good down there. I mean, Right? Uh, order whatever you want. I ordered the cheapest steak because I'm Minnesotan. You can't do some things. You can't just get right. Like, uh. Uh, <laughs> uh, gave me a whole bunch of gifts. I got like five books. Like, what in the world? Just a big bag of like, here's some lovely things for you. Like, okay. Um, then drove me to a hotel that they booked and paid for. And said, we'll pick you up in the morning about 10 and enjoy your morning. Picked me up about 10, took me to lunch. Uh, <coughs> took me to, we did our things, it took me to dinner, uh, then took me to second dinner, uh, and then took me back to the hotel for the second night that I didn't pay for. That night I got up to go get a candy bar because, listen, when a Butterfinger is five floors away from you at 11 p.m., five floors? Yeah, I'm in. So I went down. I don't know how they did this. Uh, they wouldn't let me, the front desk wouldn't let me pay for the Butterfinger. They paid for the Butterfinger. I, how do you do that? Do you like slip a 20 and be like, listen, if... They show like a mug shot of me. If he, if he comes down, don't let him buy it. And then the next day, it was lunch. I mean, it was just like, I spent not a dime. And like two days, and it just changed my life. Which might sound huge, but it was. All they did was be generous. I mean, that's, 
it's not a small thing to be generous, right? But it wasn't like, they were just generous and sweet and they showed me hospitality. And I, I've just been thinking about like the generous love of Christ in them loving me changed my heart. And sometimes I think we think what we're being asked to do by God is too big or is outside. We don't have this, right? We don't have the skill set for this. It required zero skill for them to love me. By the end of the second night, I had two people that were like, you don't gotta stay in the hotel. You can come stay with us. I was like, well, I can't not stay in a hotel somebody already, right? But it's just this generous love and that's, that's Christ in us and Christ among us. That's what was happening. They were loving me with the love of Christ and the, that love is within me. It's within you, it's within us. And that's the thing. That's one of the things that, gets, that, that we're being asked and invited into. All right, uh, amen. Um, <clears throat> we're gonna take a moment for stillness and then we're gonna come to the table together.